Namo tassa bhagavato arato samma samudasa Namo tassa bhagavato arato samma samudasa Namo tassa bhagavato arato samma samudasa I will awaken speedily for the sake of all sentient beings. May all beings be established in wisdom, compassion, and non-clinging awareness. Let's start off if you, just a few, maybe uh, one or two um, questions. They're always brief. If you have any, yes. Glasses. Any questions? I may reserve uh, some teachings on the skull cup. We'll see. Until after the Hevadra empowerment, that might be a good idea. We'll see. We'll see. Before or after? Yes. In those um, moments looking out at the lake or at nature, you don't have a specific meditation in mind, and you just want to enjoy. Uh, any suggestions? Enjoy. <laughs> it's wonderful. What? Uh, really, no suggestions should be. Well, yeah, necessary, but there are times to just be, to learn, to learn, enjoy being. It's a really wonderful art, and um, totality, letting the universe in, uh, is being. Another way of saying, when, another word, another, in some ways, way of phrasing uh, great insight is to simply be. That's the title of a, of a tremendously beautiful Dzogchen Mahamudra text. Simply being. Simply being. No pretense. No aspiration. No goals, no aims. Simple, absolutely being in love with all there is. No clinging. No separation. No having to do anything. No having to even have a posture. Not looking at anything specifically. Just letting the mind be luminous and radiant. And I think many of you actually probably have experienced that, yes? The question is, is sustaining it naturally. And then we keep waking it up, waking it up, waking it up, so it, it, it actually is not uh, so much uh, just calm, but a very awake presence, a very awake openness. Let let uh, let the wisdom mind come out and uh, do what it wants to do, which is actually um, not a separation between uh, looking at the lake and the mind residing in the lake or being the lake. So this is what you want to do to some degree. There are times when you need to to bore into that which is being perceived and ask what it is. But the more you do that, and the more the energies get straightened out, the more there's periods of time of just, this is glory. This is just utter glory. Nothing to do, no place to go. No meditation to be achieved. Nothing to love, nothing not to love. All gone. Any others? Okay? Yeah. Natural. Natural. Natural mind. Any other any other questions or next section is on 
echoes, sound, echoes and sound, but mostly echoes. And it will have to do with sound. So uh, it looks like enough material, good, deep material uh, for uh, two sessions. So we'll get together tomorrow morning. Maybe not tomorrow night. Maybe just alternate a little bit. An echo. Everybody's familiar with echoing. Echoes? Everybody's experienced echoes? In the great treatise on the perfection of wisdom, that is the Prajnaparamita Sutra, uh, it's probably in the longer version, maybe 8,000 or 20,000 lines. It says, this is what the great treatise of the perfection of wisdom has to tell us about echoes. So now reading from a, the Sanskrit, in a translation from the Sanskrit that he, he translated. When one is in a narrow valley, at least 55 feet distance, that's the, that's the actual numerical number, but not in the text. It has to be at least 55 feet, or a house 55 feet long. It's probably a little bit too short. When one is in a narrow valley, a deep gorge, a vast house, and one, sa- one says something or makes a sound, the sound one has made will produce another sound called echo. Right? A stupid man will think that there is somebody who repeats his words, but the wise man knows that the echo is no third person. Or second person. But the wise man knows that the echo is no third person, but that it is solely by the reflection of sound that there is a new sound called echo. The echo is empty of reality, but it can still deceive the ear. There's a lot in that. There's a lot in that. So you think, okay, sound. It's actually quite fascinating, the the depth by which it can be used to contemplate emptiness, contemplate totality, contemplate deception, illusion, and many, many uh, qualities of human consciousness that are deeply ingrained that are utterly illusory. So this is, this is very, very important. I, I've written a little note here to myself, um, one of those moments of contemplation, deception by reflection. <laughs> okay. So the, the example of the echo uh, brings out both the deception of the experience of the relative and the deception of the experience of the absolute. And I'm going to go into that. Highly deceptive uh, with sound. So just to start. Now there's a reason. Why would, it, would it, why would it be that I wouldn't just I wouldn't just use this beautiful uh, bell as an example for sound? Well, I could use anything, right? But why would I choose to use this?
What possible reason? Oh, it's quite, quite, quite beautiful. Right? Singing more. Why? Very important reason. I sound like the the, the coffee guy at uh, Finca Philadelphia. The reason is, is that when you're teaching, especially if you're teaching Vajrayana, but also Maya, it's good to actually hold the symbols of liberation. So these are actually designed to uh, display and show almost all the qualities, well, they do, if you know what they mean, of the enlightened mind. Whereas ordinary objects, such as this, this is a beautiful bell, actually doesn't, is not actually um, designed, inscribed, and so on with the uh, deep attributes of the enlightened mind. So there's a reason for doing that. Not that it can't be done, but I bring that about to show that uh, for compassionate purposes, it's often very, very good to elevate things at a very, very high level for leading beings um, into and through the path of liberation. Hmm? Make sense? So when I hold these two in the hand, it's not just the bell of wisdom, but the bell of compassion, skill, and means. The two together. So could I could I use different things for sound? Yes. But when one has such uh, profound objects of symbolism and, and liberation, it's good to good to have So the first thing I'd like to do with you, uh, I'll, I'll come back to Echo in a minute. But I want you to just try something uh, so straightforward and don't get too zen. Just straightforward, what you experience. First question, where does the sound come from? Can I see uh, a show of hands by experience? Not by your funny conceptual mind trying to think through this puzzle because you've got to have the right answer. That's not how we practice. Where does the sound come from? Yes, Barry. Just straightforward by your experience, what you're experiencing. No interpretations. Yes? Hmm? Yeah. Anybody? Ah, he's too sophisticated. Thank you. Thank you very much. Is that fairly straightforward? Where does the sound come from? Yes? But Barry, where did you where did you experience it? Doesn't have to be, by the way. Where did you experience it coming from? Sound is only a sound if it's registered with the mind. Ah, no, I'm not asking that. You see, you get so sophisticated. Simply the question. Oh. Do I need to be so crude? Do I have to duck? Yes. <laughs> where does the sensation come from? Don't get so sophisticated. That's and partly that's what's doing some of you in in terms of meditation. Way too sophisticated. Just approach it naturally, like a child, full of wonder, and get all that other book learning stuff out of you. Really, and do it over and over and over again, and let the experience come to you. Let it let it come to you. So you're looking for something way too. 
So where does it come from? For most of you, where does the sound come from? Out there. Out there where? Well, now that you're speaking for me. Oh, okay. But the bell. we got to use the bell. Would most of you say it comes from the bell? Yes? Okay. Would you say it's coming from the ceiling? It's emanating from the ceiling? No? You might. Especially with echo. From the windows? Hmm? A little bit from the windows, yeah. yeah. From what I understand, under 55 feet, the chances are most ears will not be able to to hear an echo or unless there's reverberation off windows and things like that. But normally the ear uh, can't, can't, can't handle those cancelling so much, so the location becomes the source, the source point. Okay, we straight, we're pretty clear on that one? So the lo- location of sound is what? The object. What happens if you close your eyes now? Where's the location now? <laughs> Bit of a puzzle, isn't it? Which one is more real than the other in terms of experience? Okay, let's carry on. Important. If we have a visual reference point, what do we use? We don't trust our ear. We don't trust our ears. We trust our sight. Mm-hmm. If we trust our ears, did anybody experience the location of the sound based on having two ears, pinpointing location with t- stereo ears? Yes, Terry. Mm-hmm. Right. Just as we do with our eyes, we have two eyes. We pinpoint distance and location, all kinds of measurement by having two eyes as opposed to one eye. You know? That's why we have two ears. This passage from the Prajnaparamita Sutra uh, gives a fairly accurate picture of how an echo comes about. The key is the reflection of the sound off some solid object. And so when you, when, so we're, there's going to be a lot of, I'm going to give some, quite a bit of material on echo. Just remember that, that one important statement. It's actually really fundamental, easy. The key, as, as the ancients knew, back uh, from this text, uh, 1,800 years ago or more, over 2,000 years ago, the key is a reflection of sound off some solid object. But that's not enough understand the deceptive nature nature of echo. Now, just wait how we, we go into this. The sound which travels as a wave of alternating pressure in air, the science, propagates outward in concentric circles from its source. When it meets an obstacle, the wave is reflected back and an observer at the location of the sound source may hear it again after an interval. Now, you can do a calculation knowing the speed of sound, which is 371 yards per second, which is almost the same in meters, and the minimal duration that has to separate sounds so we can tell them apart, 
we know that the minimum distance for an echo is 55 feet. Anything closer than that may also produce an echo, but you can't. Most people cannot hear it. In order to understand what is illusory about echoes, we first, and then we, we want to apply that to liberation, right? So we always, you know, go through the science, go through the examples that were used in ancient times, but always remember this is, this is for, not so much for this, it is partly uh, for this, well, this book, but it's about uh, examples for your liberation, compassion. In order to understand what is illusory about echoes, we first have to give some thought to the nature of sound. What is the nature of sound? Now you're going to find. Now we're going to see how difficult this is going to be once we come to experience and science and, and logic. As an example, let's take a bell. We may think that sound it makes is just one of the many properties of the bell. What kind of properties do we have of this bell? What kind of properties? Metal. Two different types of metal that you can see. Yes? A certain size. A certain opening. A type of metal that isn't struck necessarily this way. but has a clanger, and the clanger is attached with a certain uh, string fiber, certain designs or incised on it. So this has this bell has many properties. It may even be a seven metal bell. I'm not sure. We never actually um, asked the, um, the owners uh, of the, uh, the, the casting company where we got this, but it, it could even be up to 11 different metals, but usually these days seven. Uh, so all kinds of properties, yes? But which one are we focused on right now? It's sound. I'm enjoying that. I'm getting to try out a new bell. Working that a new bell in. We may think that the sound it makes is just one of the many properties of its weight and shape and color and so on. And as these properties are located where the bell is, now this, is a, this is a very profound statement, worth writing down and going, oh my God, the implications. This is, this is wonderful, because we do it hundreds of thousands of times a day, this big thing. And as these properties are located where the bell is, so is the sound. Just listen to that again. Worth writing down if you if you want to. And as these properties of length and width and metal and shape and color are located where the bell is, so is the sound. This is so one of those statements where I go, beautiful, beautiful. There's certain statements that come out and you go, elegant pristine. Just because you see it, just because it has properties that tell you it is a source of sound, is that the source? Is that the sound? We can then identify the bell's sound, for example, 
with its vibrating at certain a certain frequency, or with the disturbance this vibration creates in the surrounding air. All things considered, conceiving it, uh, all things considered, conceiving of it in terms of disturbance in a medium seems preferable. Is that right? Because a bell might also be vibrating in a vacuum, but then it wouldn't make any sound. So is the question you're asking, is the appearance, texture, color of the bell the sound? The sound, yes. And do we do that? How often do we do that? (laughs) Helicopter. (laughs) Piper Cub airplane. (laughs) F-15 jet airplane. But is that correct? And you tried that when you closed your eyes. What was the difference? Were you so sure that you knew of the source once the eyes were closed? Cool, isn't it? Okay. Since both the vibration as well as the disturbance are located where the bell is, is that correct? I like the nodding of the heads. Since both the vibrating as well as disturbance are located where the bell is, this will be called the stationary view of sound. It's called the technical, the stationary view. The view is where the bell is, is where the sound is. Should we try this now? The sound is where? Where is it located? Does that feel right? Isn't that the source? Okay, that's called the stationary view. And we usually do that, right? Isn't that right? Uh, Barry makes a sound over there. That's the source. (coughs) Laurel coughs. There's the source, the cough. Don't we do that? But you're getting very sophisticated. Mm. Uh, Maybe it wasn't laurel. It was uh, in the air. It was vibration of air. Do we normally do that? Concentric, concentric <laughs> movement of airwaves. Yeah, and then we go. Oh, it's instead of it being moral coughing, it's the mind. <laughs> How often do we do that? Only oh, be in this retreat. Yeah. 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 All day long. <laughs> According to this view, stationary view, sounds do not travel. Experience. Let's take experience. Do you know if the sound is traveling? Is that what you experience? It's actually traveling? You can actually hear it propagating through the air? Okay. Or does it have a location? Don't get conceptually sophisticated. Or does it have a stationary location? How do you know it travels? Because it comes to me. 
<laughs> I want to see the evidence that it comes to you. If it was located yes, there, yes. I would not hear it here. Why are you separated from it? Because it's over there. But isn't there something between you? Space. Air. Air. So it's moving then. But that there's no separation. But anyways, this is this is more to do with experience. By the way, I'm not saying you're wrong, Nunu. Just saying, let's go by normal experience and let's go by other kinds of experience. Okay, so this is good. And I'm not. I'm just challenging you to get what is your experience, and your experience may not all be the same. Okay, so would you say that very often there is a view, there's an experience that the sound is located over there, the source. Okay, the source. We do this all the time. Yes. Look, over there, over there, over there. Do you hear the click? Yeah? A little click? Over there. It's like that, a fraction of a second. We don't go, oh, experience it in, inside the brain cells or propagating through the air. There's a little click over there. Yes? Okay. According to this view, sounds do not travel. They will, of course, cause airwaves to travel. <laughs> it's beautiful. So are the airwaves the sound? The airwaves travel, but is that the source, the location of sound? Location, location. You've heard that many times? Location, location, location. But these waves are not the sound, but merely a phenomena caused by the sound. Where's the sound located? Can you feel the ears vibrating? Is that the sound or is that vibration? How much do you know of your science and biology and how much of this is experience? What is now overlaid by concept and what's genuine experience? Okay. Just challenging you back and forth because it's important to say, what actually is it being experienced? Now this view, which is a view, the stationary view, is the sound itself itself stays at home, but the air is vibrated. The sound is located somewhere. The air is vibrated. Something happens. The, the, the something happens because the sound has a source location. Okay. So view. Now the second way of explaining sound or the experience, the view, a mobile view of sounds on the other hand, holds that sounds do travel. And I think all of you know that, right? Sounds travel? Such as in echoes, you might say, well, obviously it must have traveled. Or how about this? Does it feel like that sound is coming from anywhere else? Bouncing around, reverberating? Quite a remarkable bell. All right. Play it? All right. Enjoy it. The sound of a bell is something that starts at the place where the bell is and then travels outward from there, propagated by compression waves in the air surrounding the bell. Note that this does not necessarily commit us to identifying the sound with the waves 
since we can also think that the sound is just what is transmitted by the waves without being the waves. I'll read that again. Since we can also think, conceive, view, that the sound is just what is transmitted by the waves without being actually the, the waves. In other words, the waves are transmitting the sound. They're carrying the sound. Okay, so two ways. The sound is carried to us, to receptors, or the sound is over there. It's got a location. Oh, two different kinds of experience. And Nuno was a, a, a very strong advocate of the second, and others were being an advocate of the first. Yes? Or maybe you haven't been an advocate of back and forth. Fine. Now let's so for when we so when we hear an echo reflected from a wall or a cliff, we hear it as located at that wall. Is that true? Hello. Hello. Where's it coming from? Does it feel like it's actually now as this as according to the Prajna Paramita, the stupid man? Notice they say men, not women. So women are... Often in these texts, men, 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 men. Stupid men, dumb men, ignorant men. And you go, you get this feeling that the women are really wise. Don't don't you get that, guys? Maybe women was right again. Hmm? Maybe. Women were writing the Prajna Paramita. Yeah, that could be it. Even though it's attributed by the Buddha. It's a female Buddha writing. Okay. It's a joke. I have to, you know, go mic- microphone on here. And it's a joke. <laughs> For when we hear an echo reflected from a wall of a cliff, we hear it located at that wall. Hello. Hello. Where did it come from? So the stupid man, not the stupid woman, women, women know exactly what's going on. But the stupid man will go what? There's somebody over there. Right? It's so easy. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. <laughs> I had to put that in. This is why, a, quote, a stupid man will think that there is somebody who repeats his words because they appear to come from the other side of the valley. What does that mean? It's coming from a location. Obviously, it comes from a location. Have you ever been fooled to believe that a sound comes from a location. An echo. Yeah. What was that sound? It was the sound I made. <laughs> Must, that's only guys do that. <laughs> but the sound cannot be located at the cliff as the defender of the stationary view of sounds would like to think. The cliff does not vibrate. Well, maybe a little bit. It, you know, atomically, yeah. It's always vibrating. And thereby does not cause any disturbance in the air surrounding it. It's not the cliff doing it. it. The cliff is a reflector. Right? The cliff's a reflector, not the cliff. The cliff isn't saying, hello. It's a reflector. The cliff does not vibrate. Okay. If we see sound is mobile, however, it is easy to explain what has happened. The sound carried by the airwaves moved towards the cliff, bounced off it, and has now returned to the location or the source it came from. That makes sense? 
Isn't that what we now do explain the mobile way? Hello. Hello. It must be mobile. But when it doesn't echo, it's easy to experience what? Stationary sound. Are you following? Mm -hmm. Very easy. And we do it like this, in a flash, right? But if we have an echo, we go mobile sound. If we normally hear, we go stationary because it comes from the speakers. It comes from the television. It comes from the radio. What's that? You know, people playing music? What's that sound? Where did it come from? Over there. We don't normally go, oh, it's filling all of space. It's, they're playing uh, a, a cassette or they're playing a, a DVD or a CD, right? Playing a movie. The sound is not located at the source but moves through space. Doesn't that make sense? That's our experience. The problem, though, I, I really enjoy this. The, the, the people were thinking about this uh, 2,000 years ago, oh, debating this, debating this, debating this, going into this deeply by experience. And you can see by these ancient texts I brought you over 2,000 years ago, beings were meditating on this months and months and months at a time to resolve these kinds of questions. The problem with the mobile view, however, is that it does not accord very well with the way in which we hear sounds. We hear a sound is located close to its source. The ringing of the bell appears to be where the bell is. That's for sounds. Moreover, we do not hear a sound traveling like a wave does. Do we actually hear sound as a wave propagating through space, or is that a conceptual view? We hear it as what? If it's an echo, hello, source, and then what? Another source, usually. Moreover, we do not hear a sound traveling like a wave does, setting out from its source, getting closer, passing us, then continuing on its course. Do we normally do that? Watch. How, how, how refined are you? Emanating out, passing by you, reflecting off the walls. Maybe Terry does, or a professional sound man, right? People have done some professional sound, reflecting off hair, bodies. You know, Maybe someone like Patrick, right? Would be calculating all these things for a movie set and all the different materials in the room right, and listening for how the sound is actually reverberating off different materials. How many people do that? That's like a wine taster, you know. Oh, yeah. From the, um, the southern-facing slope in a chalky soil, likely in the Rhone Valley, uh, somewhere about uh, located at uh, GPS coordinates. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You have to be very well trained for that. Our experience of sound is often of a stationary sound. Why? Why so often do we go, it's from there? Why? This is important to understand. Because we need to know where the habit pattern comes from and where the illusion comes from. Why would we, even if we, uh, disre even if we know that's not necessarily true, why would we need to know that it comes from that source? 
will get killed if we don't. You have to understand it from an evolutionary point. Biologically, we'll die very quickly if we don't identify the source within a meter or half a meter. We need to know where sounds are located all the time. This is one of the difficulties with electric cars. Battery cars that are silent? We're so habituated to where cars come from by the sound, not by our eyes. Right, Barry? How dangerous that is for you? Very, very dangerous. For blind people or people that are almost blind, this is serious. Because a car that isn't making the right frequency sound from the motor and different parts of the car can easily kill or maim. Right? So what are they doing now? They're putting the sound back in electric cars. We're going, please, would you get rid of all that sound? No, they're putting it back in. Why? For safety reasons. Interesting. They've been asked to do that. The view, so evolutionarily, we need to pinpoint, that's why we have two ears, we need, need to pinpoint sound. Even though that's not say what sound is, we need to know very specifically the location of a sound for purposes of danger, purposes of locating uh, prey, purposes of locating certain trees, certain animals, right? Uh, certain weather patterns, all kinds of things. You know, people can echolocate completely blind. Have you ever seen the the movie or read or read the um, the um, description of a man in the United States? I, I, I forget his name. It's fantastic. I've actually seen a movie of it, where he teaches blind, completely blind, and teaches people how to ride mountain bikes on mountain trails, who are completely blind using echolocation. How does he do it? You've been practicing a lot, haven't you? Really? <laughs> yes. A lot. And and the uh, distant, the sound is so specific, they can a actually measure bush, trees, open areas, hard surfaces, rocks. It's quite amazing. When he describes what he can do moving through a city, just by, by echolocation, being, being a bat, it's utterly astounding. He can tell you how many people are standing there, um, maybe what they're, not so much what they're wearing, but the density of materials. It's quite, quite something. The view of sound as mobile seems to be unsatisfactory because it implies that we suffer from a systemic or systematic illusion, both regarding location of sounds as well as regarding their duration. Well, I'll read that again. The view of sound as mobile, that is, it's actually propagated through the air, as something propagating through the air, seems to be unsatisfactory because it implies that we suffer from a, a systematic illusion both regarding the location of the sounds as well as regarding their duration. In other words, we now make the object kind of vanish, but the sound is something that propagates. Okay. Both regarding location of sounds as well as regarding their duration. It appears to us as if the ringing of the bell is where the bell is, and on the basis of this, we locate the bell by locating the ringing. Do we normally do that? Isn't that how we normally operate? We locate the object by the sound. 
not by its uh, propagation. We don't we don't normally conceive of that. Yeah. Okay. But in relative reality, but in relative reality, I put relative in there, not reality. It's got reality, but I put relative reality. Sounds are moving through space. We know that, right? Because we can test that. Even if you don't have sonic equipment, we can test that sounds move through space, especially when there's echoes. They must have. Right? They must have. So we know that. This is very important. Leaving their source, coming towards us, then passing us by. Do all of you know that's the case? Cars going by, locomotives, airplanes, wind, all kinds of things give us the experience of sound passing us by and going somewhere. So we know that sounds are mobile. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. And yet, what do we normally do? From there. And made that sound. But sounds are actually what? Moving through space. They're highly mobile. And bouncing around and passing us by, yes? Sound. That's how we pick it up, right? You said that. You're going, wait a minute. Didn't you do that? Wait, wait a minute. You can't do this. It's not stationary. It comes to me. Isn't that right? The sound comes to me. I can, I, I know that from experience. It, it comes to me. It's not just, doesn't just stay there. And who made that little, like that? That, that doesn't just stay there. Do, does the consciousness go out, reach out to Anne, pick it up, and come back? Would you say that? That doesn't make. That's not common sense, is it? It comes to me. But how do we normally experience it? It's over there. That's the source. I heard the sound over there. Is that what we normally do? I heard the sound over there. Experience. But we know that's not true. Where do we hear it? Here. Exactly. That's what I want to get to. See? So where's the habit pattern? It's over there, but we know it does what? It propagates through space. This is going to be very cool. Pardon? Ventriloquists. Ventriloquists. We feel it happened over there, but once we find out, it didn't happen over there. We're fooled. Let's carry on. Good, good, good point, Barry. I like that. <coughs> Sorry, in the case of the bell, the bell keeps vibrating. So even when we experience the movement of the sound, because there's new sound all the time being produced, it's like a column of sound that tells us the source. Oh, you've, you, 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 this has to do with duration interval. We'll come to that. <laughs> this is the illusion of interval. This is the illusion of interval and continuity. Yeah, exactly. And that gets mixed up with sound. Yeah. That gets now blended into sound. Time and continuity into sound. Come to that. But in relative reality, sounds are moving through space, leaving their source, coming towards us, then passing us by. But we are unable to perceive them the way they really are. We instantly go what? From there. We need to do that. But then we go, wait a minute. That's not what we're. That's not also what we're experiencing. So two views, right? Two views. Moreover, what we experience as the sound's duration does not correspond to the duration at all. I'm going to pass on that. I want to. Maybe I'll come back to that. 
because that's that that may go on for another half an hour. Now watch this. As a as a visual reference, how are you judging duration right now? This is this is like magical illusion. What's telling you there's duration? What are you watching? A hand. Now close your eyes, and and now pick up duration with without seeing. Is it continuous or broken? This is so cool, right? Watch this. Is it continuous? Is there any break at all in the sound? Any break? Does a wave pattern break and then all of a sudden start again, or does it go like this? Watch the hand. Continuous or interval? Isn't that neat? This type of this type of inference usually works very well, but if sounds were really mobile, this would be a very surprising fact, as the duration of sounds and the duration of whatever is causing them have very little to do with one and another. I'm going to, I'd have to spend maybe 15 minutes on that. I'm going to pass on. Let me come back to that. If these difficulties convince us to embrace the stationary view of sounds, and if we agree that sounds are located at their source, how do we then account for echoes and reverberations? Very hard, isn't it? It must be mobile. As we have seen above, these are obviously not located at the place where they come from. Watch this. Hello. Hello. Where is the source? Where's source one? I know source one is from me. Where's source two? Over there. Right? But then because it has what? Some similar properties, we go, no, that can't be true. It comes from where? Here. But where is the source? Over there. By experience. Did you see? By experience. Over there. The place where it came from. So this is why the text says, a stupid man would think it comes from somebody else. What the defender of stationary sound should say at this point is that when we hear an echo, we do not hear a sound that is moved, but we hear the same sound twice. Is that right? The same. Is it the same sound or a different sound? Hello. Hello. Different or the same? Is it a same sound? Or a different sound. Why would you call it? A, oh, is it different because the the um, volume has dropped? Does that make it different? I think when, when you experience an echo, I, I definitely think that I, 
That's my voice. It's the same sound. Yes, it, it's propagating of the same sound. So watch. Hello. Hello. Per perfect echo, right? Perfect echo. Hello. <laughs> Very, I have a thespian voice. Right? Yeah, no, you Hello. Hello. Is that the same sound or a different sound? Come on. Come on. Hmm? How many people how many people say different? How many people say the same? If we're pretending in a no, 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 no. experience. Same or different? Same. I'm gonna reverse it. <laughs> same. How many say different? Oh, it's about fifty fifty. How can you say it's different? Has the wall produced who who produced that sound? The wall did? Are you asking if it's different in, in your experience, in your, in your hearing, or are you asking if it's different conceptually? Uh, source. Source. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. But so, so why would it be a different sound? To do with what? Duration? Does that make it different? Because we hear it twice. We hear it twice. twice. But so what? Not all of it. So what? Sounds you, Nanyo, you said that you heard reverberations. You've heard sounds again and again and again. Same sound or different sound? Come on, same sound or different sound? See, I like this. How many people say the same sound? It's the sound of the bell, yes? How many people say it's different? Okay, what's the interval? How many times is it now different? Those that have amazingly sharp ears or think they do, how many different <laughs> sounds are coming from the bell? Individual, discontinuous sounds. Discontinuous sounds. I'll just do it. I'll ring once, okay? <laughs> One sound or many sounds? Hello. One sound or many sounds? One sound. How many people for one sound? How many people for many sounds? Okay. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> the sound is only generated once. Is that right? The sound is only generated once? Correct? Once. It's only generated once. Not because there's a lot of molecules. The sound is, is it, does it? <laughs> Once or twice? You'll say, no, can I hear that again? No, no, I need to hear that again. A little harder, please. A little harder. No, more on the, in the frontal lobes, please. <laughs> Ah, where did you get the concept of wave? From high school? University? Physics book? That's how many people see the wave? Where did you see the wave from? A when was the last time you saw a physics book showing a wave of yeah, and do you experience it now? has to be a wave because you studied in school. <laughs> Nothing to do with experience, yes?
you hear the attack of this, you hear something that attacks and something that reverberates, regardless of echoes. Are you attacking that? Are you attacking <laughs> that skull? You hear the wave. It's an assault. It's like ah, ah, from Doctor Strangelove, 1964. Ah, ah, ah. You know, they've just done a digital remake of Doctor Strangelove. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, yeah, anyway, it's not interesting. Two bamboo sticks clacking together and nothing ringing. Like this? <laughs> <laughs> was that one sound or two? And what was the source of that sound? <laughs> Have you been practicing Dorje Palmo recently? <laughs> okay. The sound is only generated once and stays where it is, but we experience two sounds. Two times, I should say. Cool. It's only generated once, but we experience it twice. Imagine... Oh, that's, that's, that's another long one. When we hear an echo, we experience one stationary sound twice because the peculiar way it traces, because of its traces have traveled but the sound remains where it is. Is that true? Hello. One location, yes? Hello. What is the experience? What does our consciousness do? It came from one, right? One place. Did the wall make the sound? Our reluctance to accept hearing an echo as hearing the same sound twice may be based on the fact that we are not very used to the repetition of events. This may have to exactly point you at duration and repetition of events, events, events. The repetition of objects is commonplace. How often do we actually go, objects are seen? For instance, is this the same object as last night? Come on, really fast. Is this the same object as last night? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Is it the same <laughs> Is this the same metal skull cup as you saw on the shrine? Look at that head move. Yeah. What evidence do you have for that? Because uh, It's pretty flimsy. No. Why? Because I've only brought one of them here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't know if somebody else had, had been to <laughs> India, yeah, right? And went to the same place and got the same type. Yeah. Okay, okay, let's try. <laughs> Some things you can be sure of. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that neat? We normally do that. What are we basing that evidence on? Very, we don't, isn't that amazing how fast? Same as last night? Yep. Same as three days ago? Yep. Just like that. Based on what? Memory. Memory of, ah, based on memory. 
but based on any facts whatsoever. Based on probabilities. But is it true? Could easily have substituted a similar looking cup and it'd be easy. Could even put a piece of cardboard out there and paint it and people go, oh yeah, fine. <laughs> Absolutely, just fine. Piece of cardboard, looks great, little model. Yep, sure. Yep, and very, very effectively. Oh, yes, and the same cup seen twice. But the conditions for experience the same event twice are rare and typically involve complicated manipulations of mirrors and so on. So in the case of of the same event, do we conceive of the same event happening exactly the same way? Can you think of something like this, a good example? Give me an example. Boat going across Lake Attilan. The same boat goes across the lake again. Do we say it's the same event or a different event? But what do we say about objects? There's different people in the boat, but it's the same object. There's a different amount of water in there, it's the same object. Even though the object actually has changed, we still say same objects, but different events. This is an important thing. It's really good to know how the brain is wired. We like the same objects, and we get, do you know you, people get disconcerted, they get upset when the objects change? Very often. Eh? What would happen? If, how many people have a partner, like a, a loved, uh, you know, official, you know, a, a partner, or you know, officially, you know, sort of thing, or, or a dog, or a cat, or uh, you know, a pet scorpion? I mean, how many people have pet scorpions? And, and what happens if they start to wear clothes that are a little too outrageous? <laughs> you know, like they come home one day from the office. You know, they go to work in New York or, you know, to the stockbroking, you know, or the, the accountant office, and they come back. Hi, dear. <laughs> How are you? Has it ever happened that people might get disconcerted about the object of their affection, the object of their interest? Having fun with these these clothes. It's good. Yeah. We tend to treat objects with similar properties as similar properties as identical. But events, what do we usually do? Different. Even if they're closely spaced together. Events. We have the ability to do what? We so badly want to discriminate the events as different, but we like to lump objects as the same. Know that you're doing that. This is important. Even right, even get this down and go, is this true? And see if you can spot how often we want the objects to be the same. How about in your room? I bet if we went to your room, and I think you know this, and we took something out of the room or put something in there, you wouldn't even spot it. Have you got the the um, basketball video yet? Uh, I can't download it. You can't. It's on YouTube. You have to actually look at the Maybe we'll set that up. Just want to show you about this. But it's definitely there. 
Definitely there? Yeah. Okay, might have to might have to have a little movie session to show you something quite profound. I'm gonna do a demo for you, a little video to, to, to bring this about. Bring the Okay, let's let's skip a bit here. If we now appeal to the example of, of echoes to decide between two accounts of sound, the stationary or the mobile uh, view, we realize that our perception comes out as illusory in either case. Both are not actually true. Hmm? Sound is not actually coming. In other words, the, the source, the whole model of that's where the sound is. Isn't that right to intelligent beings? It's not completely satisfactory, right? As some were arguing, no, 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 that's not right. Because they're feeling, well, yeah, it comes, but that's not the sound. Then the others are going, it's mobile, but it's not stationary. It's stationary, but it's not mobile. Both are inherently unsatisfactory. It's good, because they're both illusory. If, on the other hand, we opt for the stationary view of sound, it turns out that several of the perceived properties of echoes are illusory. We hear the echo as coming from the cliff, correct? While it's actually located at the source of the initial sound. We hear it as happening as later than the initial sound, while in reality it's the very same sound as the initial one, only that it traces, only that its traces reach as two separate times. That's interval and event. But is that sound? You see? So now we want, we know, wait a minute, it's a different sound because the event is different. But what's the object? The same sound. Cool. When we hear it as happening as later than the initial sound, while in reality it is the very same sound as the initial one, only that its traces reach us at two separate times. And we might even think that sound and echo are two distinct objects. While they are in reality just one experienced two times over. You see? Two different objects. Hello? Hello? Two different objects, yes? But what is it? The same one with a duration. It's illusory. Our minds make up the whole thing. How about now sound? This is where we get really personal in a second. Maybe I'll get there in a bit. I'll just leave it like that. Mm. Well, go on a bit further so I can uh, finish tomorrow morning. And we might even think that sound and echo are two distinct objects, right? There's a sound and there's an echo. You can even do that, yeah, a sound and echo. Now, is that illusory? Is that illusory? I'm hearing a sound and I'm hearing an echo. Don't we do that sometimes? Hello. Hello. Oh, didn't you hear the echo? Isn't that cool? Didn't you hear the echo? 
There's no echo. There's simply a sound with duration. If there's 100% reproduction. Yep, but even if there isn't, we still we still identify it as pretty similar to be the same. Hmm? But different. But different. The stupid man. The stupid man. This only the stupid man does. Yeah. Yeah. Here's it from the wall. Could could you say that again? Could and go back. Could you say it again? Yeah, sure. Could you say it again? Could you say it again? Sure, I'll do it. I'll do it again. Could you say it again? Could you say it again? It's so similar to a human voice. That's amazing. And actually, oddly enough, it's so similar to my voice. <laughs> How does the cliff do that? <laughs> it's not in the text. Okay. It's not in the text. According to this account, we suffer from an illusion both regarding the space-time location of an echo as well as regarding its identity. We're confused. Once we start to contemplate this, or once we get uh, without any discrimination, we can get caught in the illusion of space-time location, because we've all done it, right? We've all done it. We've argued. Wait a minute, it's this? No, no, it's this? And I've switched it around. I see some hands going, no, I think it's this, and then I think it's that. So we have the illusion of space, time, location with regard to sound and an echo, as well as where did the echo come from? Because we could get fooled. It's possible that we could have an echo, hello, and another sound comes up or a soft material, and it comes back, it comes back odd enough to go, where did that come from? It kind of sounded like me, but I'm not sure. Pretty illusory, isn't it? So we have illusoriness to do with identity, which is what the Prajnaparamita Sutra is saying. Yeah, the the stupid man gets confused about identity, and the stupid man gets confused about location and events. When deliberating which view of sound should be regarded as correct, because what do we want as human beings? We want to be correct, correct? We want to be right, right? We don't like being wrong, do we? No, we don't be wrong. When deliberating which view of sound should be regarded as correct, we therefore cannot just opt for the one that provides us with a conception of sounds that matches our perceptions. We can't opt out just for the one that fits our model because it may not be in accordance with our experience. And if we try it with our experience, it may not be a fit to what we know about sound. This is a very puzzling experience. We rather have to decide between two views, each of which implies that a regular auditory perception is based on illusions. If you keep working on it, you'll say, wait a minute, no matter what I do, it's illusory, whether it's mobile or stationary. It's not satisfactory because none of them add actually add up. 
Or is it both? Either concerning sounds in general or concerning echoes in particular. Other things being equal, we just have to find out which kinds of illusions we find less troubling. We want to know what's the most less troubling explanation and then go for the account that implies these. Another way of saying this is nothing satisfies, no explanation of view is actually satisfying. But we use one or the other to fit what's comfortable, less troubling for our mind. Does that sound about right? We normally do that all day long without even knowing that we do it. We make up a story that's the less troubling story. How many people walk around and try to create, now this may be the case, stories that are nothing but trouble? That's not normally. We try to solve things by giving an explanation that fits the events, right? Even if it's not true, we're very happy. Now this is used in American politics a lot right now, right? It's very, very officially done. All I have to do is just say something that's a view that fits the facts. It's completely a lie, but it's now it's legal to do. As long as there's people out there that can go, oh wow, thanks. How often do we do this? All the time. Right? All the time. Now it is obvious that this choice is a purely pragmatic choice. Do you see? Most people are pragmatic. How how is the how are the American voters going to vote this year for a new president? Going to be based on what decision usually? What's the major decision for voting? Economics. My economics how I'm doing, how I perceive the state of my finances and how it's going. That's about it. If the eco- it historically, if there's an economic downturn, serious enough, President Obama will not win the election. If the, if the economic um, stability is there, there's almost, uh, by, just by numbers, the chances are no matter what happens, he'll be reelected. No matter what any of the candidates do, they can, you know, whatever it is. If it's about economics, he'll get reelected. Why? We're pragmatic. It's about what? Mm-hmm. Us. Me. A simple explanation, right? Simple explanation placed on the universe. Our president, our prime minister, is fully in control of our economic situation. And if and if, da- if there's a downturn, we get rid of him or her. Well, that's simple. That's how it's been historically, right? That's what the numbers say. Now it is obvious that this choice between stationary and mobile is only is purely a pragmatic one. We select an account of sound that provides us with the greatest theoretical neatness. Theoretical isn't quite right, because that's to do with physics. The most... What's the word for it? Not theoretical. Comfortable. 
Yeah, people use the word theoretical wrong. Comfortable, idealistic neatness. And implies those illusions we are most happy to accept. That's a beautiful line. Which illusion fits <laughs> our previous conceptions and what are we happy to live with? That's it. That's it. That's what you need to see. What am I happy with? And does it have any basis in fact whatsoever? Yes. Why? Because we can't see any other point of view now. Of course it makes perfect sense because that's how we see the world. Is this the same cup? You betcha, it's got lines on it. And it's got lines on it. It looks similar to last night. Yeah, fine. Thank you. Done. I could convince you that that's a different cup. I guarantee I could. Let's, let's br- could you bring it up? Yeah. It's not hard. I want to show you how deeply we examine things. And what we mean by same. And how little of reality there actually is. So-called reality. Thank you, Terry. Are these the same cups? (laughs) Same or different? Same. How much how much do you how much time do you actually give to the object? What do you actually know about the object? Zip zero. Same. This one has a little bump that's different. We trust our eyes, eh, so much? Mm -hmm. And we only see a tiny little bit, and it's what we want to believe, what is comfortable and neat in the universe. And if it doesn't fit, it gets uncomfortable, and then what do we do? We make a story to make it comfortable. And most of uh, to tell you, to let you know, both in terms of experience and modern neuroscience, anything that's uncomfortable gets altered. Okay? And most of what happens in our consciousness, probably 95% of it or more, we never know is even going on. Okay? Which one's now the cup? Been filling around, eh? Which one is it? Which which one is which one is the cup that was there from last night? Yeah. How do you know? Because I I memorized the lines. You memorized the lines. But did you did you memorize the lines from before? Before what? Before moving the cups around and Terry getting another cup. No, it's just like this. Same cup as last night. Same cup as last night. Terry, is that the same cup or was it washed? See? Same cup or different? Uh-huh. Not the same cup. Likely with four cups? 
being washed, it's likely a different cup. What is it that we want to be? Why do we want objects consistently but events differently? This is an important point. And regardless of which systematization we choose, we cannot escape the fact that our experience of sounds involves a significant amount of illusion. Would you now say that's correct? A significant amount of illusion. It is interesting to note that the great treatise of the perfection of wisdom continues its discussion by investigating another dimension of illusory nature of echoes, This is the illusory appearance that an echo produced by the same piece of speech involves both a speaker and a recipient. So I'm going to give you some homework. When you hear an an echoed hello, it seems as if somebody is greeting you. So what I'd like you to do uh, is I want you to listen to your speech. Now that we've tried this with a bell, I want you to listen to speech. This is this. I'm leading up to something that's very, very important. Well, it has been important. But so now, I'll go to the end, and then we'll spend more time tomorrow about this. Did you hear a sound? Anybody in the room feel that you are aggressed? It's an aggressive sound. Anybody feel that it was a greedy sound? Anybody feel it was a jealous sound? Anybody feel it was a delusionary sound? Did the sound jump out at you and tell you, you think? No? Did it come out and say, oh my God, you are so wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more medication? <laughs> Is that a lovely sound? Yes? Lovely sound? Yes? Lovely sound? That's a a concern sound. (laughs) Just when you watch. So I'm not going to say too much. I'm not going to say any more tonight about this. I I see Shalan got it. Hmm? Yeah? It landed, didn't it? Is it not delusionary or what? So here's your homework. Make statements. Go outside. Go away so people don't hear you so much or in your room and go make statements. You can go, hello. You can say your name. You can say lovely sounds and lovely statements and mean, nasty statements. 
greedy, awful statements. Like from, um, what's that one in, um, you know, Police is Police Academy 4? Where, no, I'm just kidding. Okay. I, I just thought Jamie would know, you know, from that episode, the, you know, that scene in Police Academy 4. No. Uh, derogatory statements, derogatory statements, mean statements, statements of jealousy, statements of delusion, statements of joy, statements of utter glory, statements of praise, statements of blame. You mean son of a bee. You fine, upstanding citizen of the universe. (laughs) Do it again and again and listen to it. Listen to it. Listen to it. Listen to it. And then take something like a bell. Make all kinds of sounds. Tap the window. Tap your head. Examine it very carefully. Okay? And then tomorrow afternoon, uh, perhaps you could leave this, Terry. Yeah. Tomorrow afternoon, I'd like people to get together and uh, stand together, sit together. And then after you've practiced, I wish you to um, make statements to each other. Not talking, just statements. Jerk. Beautiful human being. Okay, and the same thing. Back and forth. But do it in a way that's clean and meditative and not giggle, you know, just back and forth. Listen, feel, reverberation, sound. And then we'll have a discussion. And then I'll talk tomorrow night. Or tomorrow, tomorrow morning? Actually, no. No class tomorrow morning. Tomorrow night. I want you to do lots of this practice. It's really important. This is really significant. Now that you've been exposed to sound, hmm, take it further. Try it by yourself. Make sounds, but use speech. Speech. Okay, I don't want to say too much. And then uh, make sounds, bump into things, ring bells, all kind of stuff. Hit hit walls. Uh, hit walls strongly, aggressively. You know, say aggressively, uh, without hurting your hand. All kinds of things. And then later on, try it with each other. You could even, even maybe even tap each other, make a sound. Okay. You get the idea? That's it. Not saying anymore. I know it landed with one being, or maybe a number of beings, right? Straightforward, isn't it? You want to know about illusion? Here we go. Okay. That's it. Any questions about how to practice? And you can make echoes. Someone says something to you? Oh, Sholan, look at your hair today. 
and you can you can just 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 say it back. Say it back. Yeah. Shalam, look at your hair today. Shalam, look at your hair today. What's actually happening? <laughs> What's actually happening? Very important. So you see the the text the text of Prajapati starts with a consideration of sound and echo. The stupid man does what? The stupid man believes that the echo is from over there. What does the stupid being do? That's your question. Do you see how they do it? It starts with an outer and then gets a little closer to the bone. What is human speech and why is it that human speech affects us? Okay? It's a good one. So you, you see a little line in these illusory body yoga texts, right? Go to a ravine, go to, into a big room and make echoes. And that's the end of the yoga. Just the end of the practice, right? You see how deep this is? Why someone practices for three months? Six months? A year? Oh, it just says that, right? That's why, that's why I'd be very careful about texts. Because all of these come from oral tradition of beings who've actually grown up in the tradition, who've practiced, who've had pith instructions, have gone to their teachers and said this, and have made corrections or said, why don't you investigate this, right? So it's not just reading in a, in a, in a manual of Mahamudra or Manual Zogchen. There's, there's more to it. You have to have direct experience. So it just says in the text, right? Go to a ravine and listen to the echo all illusory experiences like an echo. And that's all it says in the text. Right? That's it. That's the sum of the experience, of the uh, instructions. Mm. That's fine for me. Any questions at all? Anything to clear up about how to go about this? may have to go to the market in Panacho. A little outing. After a bit more practice, I think maybe even next week. A little outing. Maybe next week. Just wait a bit. And then we'll do some more practice of, of illusory body. Maybe even maybe even switch clothes. Mm. Switch identities. Mm. Maybe even try different people's voices. Oh, that'd be cool. Or go, oh, go get makeup. Mm. That's a good one. Makeup, pedicure, manicure, all works. Good. Okay. Good. By this powerful teaching of liberation, may it lead to the cessation not just of, of us in this room, but countless other beings that are in the asawas, the floods of emotions. Idante punikamang asawaki wang ho tu, idante punikamang asawaki wang ho tu, idante punikamang asawaki wang ho tu. 
May all beings be healthy and happy. May all beings be established in a continuum of freedom, the perfect union of wisdom and compassion, the very nature of the wisdom mind.